Welcome to the American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Chalmers, a shoulder and elbow surgeon at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. And I'm joined today by my co-host, Rachel Frank, a sports and shoulder surgeon at the University of Colorado in Denver. Rachel, how are you? Doing well, thanks, Pete. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Before we get started, I should mention that the views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of the American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons Society, the University of Utah, the University of Colorado, or the institutions of any of our guests. Today, we have an episode on a topic that almost never fails to create a debate, which is whether or the beach chair or the lateral decubus position is better for shoulder surgery. We've invited two experts on, one to advocate for each position. So first, in defense of the beach chair position, we have Dr. Brett Owens from Brown University. Brett, welcome to the podcast. Well, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And then next, in defense of the lateral decubus position, we have Dr. Ivan Wong from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Ivan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, let's get started with the first point, which I think is that often people claim that what you do depends on how you're trained. So let's go through your training. So tell us, Brett, what did your mentors do? Did that influence you here? Yeah, I'd like to start off by by really noting that I'm a little bit outnumbered here. Um, I know Pete, both you and Rachel are are proponents of lateral decubitus, but that's okay. I'm going to hold my own. I can handle it being three to one. We shall see about that. Yeah, I mean, I I had a journey, I think, like many people do. I I trained at University of Massachusetts uh, with Brian Visconti. We were were all lateral decubitus. And then my fellowship at West Point and then at time at HSS, we were almost all uh, beach chair. I think early in my practice, I experimented with both, um, and I used both at, at different times when I was at different institutions, just because it was easier at that institution. And uh, but I've I've really now fully embraced a beach chair position, and I haven't really looked back. Every now and then, I'll experiment um, uh, in a lab situation. It's always fun, but um, uh, I've been pretty happy in the beach chair position. All right, tell us, Ivan, the people who trained you, what did you do? What did they do and how did they influence you in in terms of what you do now? Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> no question, uh, people that trained me had lots of influence on on what I do and 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 uh, and how I do it. Uh, I did my uh, uh, residency at McMaster University in Hamilton, and that there everyone did or majority of people did beach chair, so that was my exposure. And then did my fellowship at Southern California Orthopedic Institute with Steve Snyder and his team. And almost everyone there did lateral decubitus. And so, you know, uh, uh, experimenting with that, uh, uh, observing all the cool and intricate procedures and, and uh, whatnot, uh, we've, uh, or I've moved on to really taking on the lateral decubitus for both shoulder instability and cuff work. It's interesting that both of you guys had two different exposures in training and really seem to gravitate toward what you've potentially learned in fellowship more. Do you think that's because you were more the primary surgeon in fellowship compared to residency or just because that's the latest thing that you were exposed to in your training before starting practice? Because, uh, I, you know, in contrast, both Pete and I trained in residency and fellowship in predominantly lateral uh, lateral trained surgeons or under lateral trained surgeons, especially for instability. Cuff, different story, and we'll get to that. Um, but we both had similar experiences in residency and fellowship, whereas you guys had different ones. Ivan, do you think, you know, it's just the timing of fellowship that influenced how and why you started practice that way, or is it, um, or it just something that you just liked more? 
Yeah, it, it's tough to go back and figure out if it's the timing versus what you actually see. Because in residency, as you might remember, is, is you, you know, you're really doing a more general practice. You're only there for a few months at a time. You're switching from staff to staff. Whereas in fellowship, you're really focused for a year and you're focused on the more um, uh, advanced type of technique. So, so for me, I saw more advanced techniques during that year. And because of that, I got more of the tips and tricks. And that's what I actually took back. Whether that was because it was later on in my training or being a year or whatnot, um, no matter what, I think it's just because I could I could apply more advanced techniques. That's why I want to continue on that type of a, of a position. Brett, same for you or different or what do you think? Yeah, I haven't thought about it before, but I think it's a great point, Rachel. And, and I would say, uh, I guess I would echo what Ivan said. I, I think it is probably because you're a little bit later, a little bit more mature, and maybe you are doing more advanced things. And um, uh, I mean, I, I think this is a great topic, and it's it, it's funny that this still does you know generate a, a lot of discussion. But I think you know I, I tend to believe that you know either position can work well. The question is, what works well for you? All right, let's start at the beginning. I want to ask both of you guys: Do you think it's harder or easier to position the patient in beach chair or lateral? And let's take into account, you know, especially for our younger listeners who might be exposed to both setups and they're thinking about what they're going to do in practice and what's most efficient for their surgery center. If they combine shoulders with say knee surgery, and if they're using different setups, you know, lateral is obviously easier to transition to a knee surgery setup versus beach, which requires in many cases, a different table, um, what, or, or at least some, some different apparatuses to help with the table. So what do you guys think is easier to set up ivan let's start with you beach or lateral yeah that's uh, it depends on what you mean by easier just like you mentioned you, you require different equipment for each and we don't even need to just get into the table of per se right because you you just mentioned the table is different between beach chair and lateral no question lateral uh very similar you can use with all kinds of other things but once you start talking about lateral you have different arm positioners you know you have a spider positioner you have uh, an, um, several other versions of that or you have a suspension mechanism that you can use, or you can just use cables uh, going off the bed with uh, IV poles. So there's so many different variations of that. Ease or not ease, you, you gotta choose a mechanism of what you have. And so really, I, I actually changed from what I did in fellowship to what I do now, uh, based on the different uh, uh, procedures that I wanna do. So I think more than just um, what's easier or not is figuring out what you want to do and having a setup that can allow you to accomplish all of that. Brett, how about you? What do you think is easiest to set up? And, you know, I think keeping in mind when you work with residents and fellows and potentially they're setting up the patient for you if you're not in the room or not completely in the room during the entire setup, what's easiest and most reproducible for you in your practice? Well, I, I don't go back and forth now. So I, I think I'm very happy with, you know, beat your setup. I, you know, those my colleagues that like lateral with the cubist think it, it is faster and easier. I agree with the bed, you know, definitely switching out the bed uh, sometimes impacts your flow of the day. If you stack your shoulders at the beginning or at the end, if you're inter interposing them with knees, um, uh, you know, I, I think there are some in the beach chair position, oftentimes the anesthesia impacts the ease of setup or not. Um, when I was in the army, we almost always, again, they were all, you know, usually 20 year olds, right? And so very healthy. They're almost always just a block and Mac. Um, when I transitioned to civilian practice, there was a lot of resistance to moving 
uh, away from having any sort of airway control. So they almost always wanted an LMA in, um, which certainly added to not only the time of, of induction, but also more difficult setup sometimes because the patient is not kind of floppy and not able to help at all with uh, uh, positioning. Um, and I find that sometimes with a block and Mac, it's a lot easier for me to set up than it is sometimes if they're completely asleep. You know, the, 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 probably the only nice thing uh, uh, about the COVID experience was, has been, at least in our in our hospital and our outpatient facility, they're much more open to trying, um, uh, you know, pure regional uh, now under COVID than they were prior to. Rach, when you do beach chair surgery, are you doing any of it under block and Mac or are you guys all general at your place? It's variable during COVID, same as what Brett was mentioning. We started toying around with um, just doing Mac, but I would say vast majority over 95% general and regional. How about you? We've been all general, but um, I've we I've talked to our anesthesiologist about transitioning. I mean, I think I think ultimately it doesn't matter. It's whatever works. There's another aspect of the anesthesia I want to talk about, which is traditionally there's been this argument that the lateral position is safer for cerebral perfusion specifically. So I wanted to ask each of you guys, does this play into it? Are there certain patients that you worry about? You say we got to go lateral for this one because I'm worried about, you know, not enough blood getting to the brain. Have you ever had a problem with this? Does this change your perception of, you know, the blood pressure and hemostasis? Ivan, what are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> I don't think I would actually choose a position, uh, choose a patient to go lateral versus beach chair, considering, you know, I really do everything lateral, uh, except for AC joint reconstructions. Um, but what it does let me do is ask them to get hypoperfused. So I ask them to keep, you know, a, a MAP of a hundred or less so that I can keep my pump pressure as low as physically possible. I go somewhere between 20 to 25 mils mercury with a double pump. So I really can decrease the amount of extravasation of fluid. And then they tend to have a lot less pain afterwards and a lot faster return to function. What are your thoughts, Brad? I mean, you're the you're the you're a beach chair advocate here. This yeah. has traditionally been an attack point for beach chair. What are your what do you what has been your experience? Yeah, um, I, I would hit on a point that you were mentioning earlier, and I would push you to try a couple of Mac and and block because it's, the setup is so much easier in the beach chair position, especially in your teenagers, right? You know, they're they're, they're healthy. Usually, the anesthesiologist won't give as much pushback on uh, I'm doing just a Mac with the block. Sometimes you need a little bit of local in that posterior portal um, because it's a little bit out of the range of the block. But again, it can make your it can make everything a little bit smoother. Um, that's a great point. I, you know, you know, I am a sports surgeon primarily, and I I don't do a lot of older patients. So the majority of my work is instability, and even the cuffs I do are usually in their 50s and or, or early 60s. And um, so certainly a, a younger population than, than, uh, um, uh, than some, and certainly it's the older population we always worry about cerebral hypoperfusion. I think it's a real concern. I tend to not have as much uh, uh, instruction with the um, anesthesiologist as far as my, uh, my map like Ivan does and, um, and, and tend to probably run my pump a little bit uh, higher. I probably get more, um, probably more extravasation that's probably why my videos don't look as good as Ivan's. Both of your videos are quite excellent. Let's get into the meat of this. This is where the gloves come off. 
We want to know, and our listeners want to know, why each of your positions is better for instability. Brett, let's start with you, because again, as you mentioned, we've got uh, between the four of us, three lateral people here for instability. Why is Beach better? Yeah, you know, I, I'm i happy to take the gloves off, but but I, I, I tend to not throw a lot of punches with this, Rachel. I, I think that Beach works for me, and it works for a lot of others, and I tend to not uh, proselytize on, on what I do and say that that's better than what someone else does. Uh, the bottom line is that you can do a good or a bad instability repair in either position, right? I, I think just saying, oh, I'm lateral decubitus position, therefore I have – you know, uh, I mean, I've even seen the term modern technique used, right, uh, to describe just based on the position, but it has nothing to do with how you're actually doing uh, your surgery. I think it has a lot more to do with the surgeon and the technique than it is just about the position. I would say that, you know, I think I never changed from beach chair because I didn't find anything I couldn't do. I wasn't really frustrated with 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 things. Now, I agree. Uh, this is where it does get fun. I see the advantages. Of this things that I I really I appreciate are easier in the lateral decubitus position, um, especially in instability, especially Hegel's. Uh, you know, really wanting to see uh, inferiorly um, that distraction. Really, there's nothing really you know quite uh, quite like it in the lateral decubitus position. But I think you can get a really good instability repair in the beach chair position, and there are other advantages um, as well. Um, that you know, if you're a lateral decubitus surgeon, you also recognize the advantages. Uh, of the beach chair position. Well, that was a very polite answer, and I I love it. Ivan, are the gloves coming off? Is Brett <laughs> right, and it just it's what's best in your hands, or is lateral, in your opinion, a better a better position for instability? Well, <clears throat> I really like actually how Brett put it, because you can do good surgery in a lateral position, but you can also do bad surgery in lateral position. Because I've seen uh, um, people do uh, instability surgery laterally, but do everything viewing from the posterior portal. I think I think what lateral allows you to do is make it is what Brett said is what makes it easier to see better and. and at least what I think is you can see better if you view from the anterior superior portal where you can see down the front of the shoulder, down the back of the shoulder and do all your work from the front and back. And so you can do this from beast chair or lateral. There, there's no question about it. I've seen lots of videos showing it. It's just a lot more ergonomically correct in a lateral decubitus position because you're not holding the scope above your shoulder height. And it allows you to work both front and back, not fighting with your assistant, not you know going around a different way. So, so by ease, it makes it more likely that you're going to view from an easier portal and, and potentially have a more consistent, reliable result. Um, with many of the studies kind of proving that you can get to the certain position that you want uh, um, uh, more consistently. Yeah, I think looking at the literature is really interesting. And I, and I know maybe some of your questions are going are, are gonna to go that way. I mean, there definitely are papers that show that you can get to a certain location better in the lateral decubitus position, right? Um, there are papers that, can, that prove that surgeons are able to put maybe a six o'clock anchor and if that is if that is what your your proxy is for a good repair, right? You can definitely get a six o'clock uh, anchor in easier in the secubrous position, but um, there's no data suggesting that you know uh, outcomes 
are superior in one position versus another. And I know Rachel's gonna jump in and hopefully we can talk a little bit about her paper. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's an interesting question when we put together um, our paper from now, I mean, a long time ago now, so it'd be interesting to update this uh, or update, you know, this literature with a new systematic review or meta-analysis. When you pool a bunch of studies, many of which are poorly done, and we all know data in equals data out, the pooled analysis would show that when you account for a lot of different factors, including number of suture anchors, et cetera, um, that the recurrence rates are statistically and clinically significant, favoring the lateral decubitus position. But there's a lot of caveats and nuances. And every time I presented that study, when we first put it out, um, we, we, there was a lot of questions at the podium about this and that and whatnot. And, you know, I would tend to agree with the sentiment that's been said throughout this entire podcast so far. And it, it, you can do good surgery and bad surgery in both positions. Um, and so I think it really does come down to what's best in your hands for your patient. Personally, and I think I'm biased by the way I was trained. I, I, I find myself most able to visualize the inferior aspect of the shoulder, both posterior and anterior in the lateral decubitus position with the traction in a more ergonomic fashion where I'm not working as hard to get my anchors low and to bring my capsule up. So for me, that's an easier way to accomplish the goal. Um, and I, you know, I think that uh, uh, the literature is, is interesting because there's a lot of good studies that show good results with beach chair and, and same with lateral. When we pulled that data, you know, five, 10 years ago now, it's, it's, it favored lateral, but again, a lot of nuances to doing a systematic review. Yeah, I, I mean, Rachel, I'll, I'll, I've looked at your paper and I, I really like it. You know, I think, you know, the, the studies go back, though, to like 1990, you know, and, and I know you excluded SureTax, but, um, you know, there have been multiple studies that, that have shown that there is a temporal bias with instability reporting. You know, uh, we, we showed, uh, you know, that around the year 2000, that may be somewhat of an inflection point for, for arthroscopic anterior instability outcomes, as there were a lot of technical advances in the 90s. You know, and, and a lot of these papers, uh, you know, really I'd love to go back and look based, based on the year of publication, you know, because again, a lot of the papers skew a little bit later uh, in the posterior series. The thing is, you know, look, looking at that, you know, again, it's, you had a few statistical outcomes, but the one I, I have in front of me here was like, you know, beach chair had a 3.6% failure rate, right? And lateral decubitus, this is on the regression analysis, right? The lateral decubitus had a 2.3% failure rate. Now, I know it's statistically significant, right? But we're talking 1%. And um, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. You know, that's one study, but there have been other groups. It'll be interesting to see what the moon group comes out with. You know, they were able to look at this, you know, prospectively, good surgeons looking at it and, they found you know more anchors put in, so the implant companies are happy a lot of decubitus, but you know we're yet to see kind of what the outcomes are and you know there are other other series you know our series from the military uh, which has only been presented and still um, uh, uh, in review, but uh, it has not shown any difference as far as you know, outcomes of lot of decubitus or or beach. I think those bigger prospective database studies will be so helpful, even bigger retrospective database studies where the surgeons and the technique are very limited. So there's less variables to consider. 
will be super helpful. And, and yeah, you know, you make a great point. It's a, it's a one percentage point difference that um, allowed us to have a, you know, a sexy abstract, so to speak. But I, I think it really does come down to what's best in your hands and what's going to be most reproducible. Uh, so, so I agree. It, it really depends on, on what's, what's good in your hands. And, and that's, that's where we want to go um, experiment because whatever you're good at, you'll be able to get the maximal uh, viewing port. Cause really what, what you can see is what you can do. So if you're a good beast chair surgeon, you'll know all the techniques and, and nuances to see that anterior inferior aspect for the, for the lateral decubitus, you know, I, I really focus on viewing and, and going th through that with the fellows, being able to see posteriorly, inferiorly, the haggle, being able to get circumferentially around the humerus, all at the insertion areas of the, <clears throat> of the capsule. So, so as a lateral decubitus vision, I, I think that, you know, if you get really good at that, we can actually see, uh, um, the nuances for the most difficult cases. I think that's where the, the difficulty is going to come. You're not going to get an outcome study for generic shoulder instability that's going to be different from a bank heart versus uh, uh, doing a B share versus a lateral. It's those extremely difficult cases where you actually have to use every little trick in your book. That's when you're going to be able to tell the difference between one position versus another. And these are, you know, the, these are the few and far between. That's where I think think some of these uh, uh, um, minor minutiae that we're talking about for, for surgery is going to make a difference. Can I jump in here? Please. Hey, I, I, Ivan, this, this is Brett. I agree with you. And I think, you know, if you want to talk about maybe posterior, that's one where uh, I know at least going back 10, 15 years ago, a lot of people would say, well, I'm, 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 I'm beach for everything, but I like my posteriors lateral DQ. And, um, you know, there have been a, I just think there's a bias in some of these studies that go into it looking for superiority with lateral decubus position, right? Uh, even using the, you know, the terms I talked about earlier, like modern technique, right? Which kind of, I guess, bugs me a little bit. But, um, you know, th there are two studies that look at posterior repair, right? One from, from, from your group, Rachel, I think, and um you know another one that was published um in arthroscopy in 2019 and again both these showed no difference right yet the conclusion of the studies in, in your your paper rachel right that you know showed no difference right yet you know they both say well oh we need longer longer term even randomized trials right to show a difference um which I, I guess implies a little bit of bias here and that we're, you know, we're expecting lateral decubitus to be superior, but I don't know that it is. Yeah, no, I, I think part of the thing is the other aspects of shoulder instability that we're dealing with now, because it's more and more common not just to do a bank art, right? So if there's a, a, a subcritical bone loss and we talk about hill sacs being large, um, to me, it's easier doing a rumplissage or dealing with the posterior aspect with a uh, in a lateral decubitus position, just like you mentioned, right? So, <clears throat> in those cases where they have multiple things going on inside the shoulder, it's maybe easier to recognize these and um, and be able to address them at the same time, as opposed to having to come down in a future uh, surgery. I just want to have Brett on every time we do the podcast so I can have someone that will really take on Rachel. So I'm just, I'm so pleased that with what, what, what's just happened. I wanted to get a little bit into the minutiae, into the weeds. I mean, we talked a little bit right now about 
how how you know it's all and how you do it. So let's let's get a little bit into the tips and tricks specific to the positioning. So Ivan, tell us a little about when you position the patient. What do you think are some of the critical things that are really allow you to maximize your intraoperative visualization or exposure? Right. So positioning, I want to be able to keep, so in the lateral cubes, I really want to get that glenoid as flat to the ground as I can, because uh, that allows me to get the best access from the front of the shoulder uh, with a view from the anterior superior portal where I stand at the head. Um, to me, the best way of doing that is to uh, lean the patient back about 30 degrees. So I try to get the arm, the, the bottom arm or bottom shoulder kind of in the center of the bed, lean the upper shoulder uh, backwards so it fits towards the, the posterior aspect of the bed and have that bean bag or that sandbag uh, behind for, forms a nice triangle to hold it in place. Then I reinforce that triangle with a side post so I can really pull back on the arm, really get a posterior directed force on the humerus to be able to see the anterior aspect and allows me to push the uh, shoulder forward to get a good access to the posterior aspect of the uh, um, shoulder joint. Um, the 3D model I really do reinforce is that really helps me make minor adjustments to that portal to make sure that I can be perfectly parallel with that glenoid in that posterior portal because that really allows me to have maximal control of everything inside the shoulder. And that's really the, the starting off block to make sure everything is stable. And what are your thoughts, Brad? Are there any like critical elements when you're teaching your fellows and residents where you say, you, you've got to get this right to be able to visualize like properly in the beach chair? So there's some things I really like about the beach chair position. Uh, I, I like that I can do my uh, exam under anesthesia, a, a, a similar position that uh, I'm doing in my exam in the office, which is usually in the seated position really allows me to get the patient to relax a little bit. Um, the And then I can also do an, an arthroscopic exam under anesthesia. It allows me to, especially in those complex instability cases where I can really need to titrate my anterior versus posterior and inferior uh, repairs and capsulorophies, um, be able to look at how the shoulder moves uh, arthroscopically, which can be very helpful, especially in those you know, really muscular patients that have a harder uh, EUA. I do think that in the beach chair position, I have to be a lot more careful uh, about uh, portal placement. And um, I, I need to get really low, especially with my anterior inferior portal, allowing me to really push down on the subscapularis um, and be able to get to that low kind of 530 position on our right shoulder uh, to get as low of a uh, anterior inferior anchor you know, as I can get. Um, and that really helps me with my shuttling, it helps me with my preparation. Um, you know, I think a lot of the principles, you know, are the same. I, I tend to use a, a arm positioner, like, like Ivan had mentioned, you know, earlier, and there's a few of them out there. They all work very well, but I tend to really hold my arm in a very similar position that what he's doing with the uh, lateral decubitus position. It's usually around, uh, you know, 30 degrees or so of forward flexion, um, a little bit of abduction uh, with distraction. Uh, longitudinal distraction, as well as a, a, a lateralization force. You can either have the assistant gently uh, pull on the um, uh, arm and get a little bit of distraction that way. I've also used a bump, similar to what's used in the lateral decubitus position, in order to lever uh, the humeral head laterally. 
um, you can do it as well in, in the feature position, similar to the lateral D cube. Uh, but for me, the, the, the big key aspect is being in a good position with my portals, uh, especially in my anterior, in, in anterior portal. Good pearls for both positions. I do want to, you know, respond to what Brett said earlier, our abstract and paper on posterior shoulder instability comparing beach to lateral, as he mentioned, showed no difference. But the conclusions just said low rates of recurrent shoulder instability and high rates of return to sport can be achieved in either position. And additional long-term studies are needed to compare these positions to better understand the potential advantages and disadvantages of surgical positioning. So not, I would say it depends on the way that you read it. If you're a lateral person, you might say, well, is she trying to say that you need to look more at beach chair? And if you're a beach person, you might say, oh, is she really trying to prove that lateral is better? But we really did try to be objective. And, and again, the data didn't show that there was any difference and both are good. So I just want to be clear on that. But speaking of potential advantages, let's talk about disadvantages. So what are the complications each of you guys look out for while you're positioning and during your surgery? Do you worry about the axillary nerve when you're placing your low anchors? Do you worry about traction injuries to the brachial plexus, depending on how you're pulling on the shoulder? Do you worry about lumbar spine complications with positioning, neck uh, complications, or ulnar nerve complications? What are the things you guys look out for? Let's start with Ivan here. Uh, that's, that's probably one of the benefits of lateral. Um, I, I do find that, uh, there's very, uh, well, I guess as long as you pad them up, uh, there's very low risk for it. You make sure the spine's well aligned, that you have no issues with the neck. You're using a, a beanbag. They're going to suck everything out of. So once you get them in a comfortable position, you suck all the, all the air out, you make sure the axillary space is open uh, with that, uh, with that hole in there and that number 31, uh, beanbag. And, um, all your bony prominences are well padded. Uh, the axilla is uh, well open, so you're really not worried about much. You're only using uh, gravity to kind of pull the arm up, so you're not distracting it more than what the what gravity would hold. Uh, so you're not working worried about any traction injuries. And being in a lateral cubist position, you tend not to have to worry about uh, um, nerve injuries or axillary injuries because you're not going to be low down enough. You usually can reach everything. You don't. You rarely ever need to do a five o'clock or seven o'clock position portals to get down to six o'clock uh, uh, on the glenoid face. Uh, so I'm not having to worry about going um, um, in areas that I'm not used to going to. And Brett, how about you? When you're positioning for beach or actually doing the surgery, any concerns, anything you really harp on with the residents and fellows that you're teaching, you know, be careful of this, um, any, anything you're worried about whatsoever, and what are some tips to avoid potential complications? Yeah, as mentioned, it can be a little bit easier if the patient is uh, able to help with positioning. Um, you know, obviously, if they're completely anesthetized, you have to be, uh, you know, very careful with, with padding, et cetera. Um, you always have to be careful, but the uh, there is a little bit of a concern about you know traction uh, to to the plexus in the beach shirt position, and you have to be able to make sure that you have them their torso uh, and their cervical spine and their head aligned and not under undue traction, especially if you're pulling on the arm. Uh, one thing I always uh, uh, harp on because I've seen it before is a a is the position of the headrest. Um, that, if not positioned properly, can result in an occipital nerve palsy. Um, uh, and you have to be careful. Make sure you have you know well padded you know head position. Um, you know, other than the other things that you know that Ivan mentioned as well, and I'm not sure if there's anything else that's uh, peculiar to the beach position. 
Let's talk a little bit about Cuff. I think this is actually a place, Ivan, where you're outnumbered as the only person that's doing Loud of the Cubitus for Cuff. Tell us, why are you doing that? Why not Beach Chair where you can, you know, pull distal on the arm? Tell us the reason why you think Loud of the Cubitus is better for Cuff. <laughs> so, <clears throat> very, very good point. Um, Probably why I think lateral is better is for the same reasons that lateral uh, to me is better for uh, instability. It's to me, it's more ergonomically correct. Um, I'm not that tall. So uh, beach chair, I find I have to hold my arms actually quite a bit higher to be able to do the surgery that I want to do. I actually changed the orientation of the viewpoint uh, when we look into the surgery, looking like a beach chair. So the acromion's on the roof. Uh, so that's what I was taught as uh, as a fellow and I continued that way. and. Uh, doing a lateral cube, my my assist is always you know beside me or in front of me or somewhere around where I'm standing at the head. So I do work upside down and backwards, but um, my assist is nowhere in my elbow space. So I got lots of room to to kind of uh, um, pass sutures in a retrospective fashion. So I can actually pass the suture, grab it with a grasper on the other side, and my assistant, who's on the easy side, um, will be able to hold the camera exactly where I want them to see everything. If I'm going to do more complex cases that's needing grafts or transfers or anything like that, this allows me to place the graft right onto the patient's arm. Um, so I don't need any extra space to do it. It's out of the way. It's easy to orientate all the sutures so nothing gets tangled. Um, and again, my biggest thing for everything that I do arthroscopically is visualization. And for visualization, the lower the, the anesthesiologist can keep the blood pressure, the less pressure I need to put on the pump, so less extravasation I need to do. So for bigger, longer cases, there really is not much swelling in there and allows me to keep everything clean and easy to see. I I, I just want to, I, I think I'm confused. Where you're, you're standing on, where are you standing? You're standing backwards and upside down? I don't understand. Yeah, so I stand at the head. So similar to where I stand for shoulder instability, where we do the anterior superior portal, I actually stay standing there when I do cuff work. So the cuff to me is really upside down. Um, so I actually pass the sutures uh, from, you know, started from posterior to anterior and I can grab, so using a, using a retrograde uh, suture passer spectrum or something along those lines, and I'm able to grab the suture from the anterior portal with my other hand and be able to shuttle sutures to myself. So make a retrograde suture passer easier. So you're, you, you're doing all your passing then with a retrograde suture passage? You're not using yeah. like the, okay. No, I don't, I, I don't tend to use a anti-grade suture passer. Interesting. And then your assistant is standing on the patient's posterior side with the camera the whole time. Absolutely. So try to find the easiest place for my assistant to go. So they stand there, they have two hands on the camera, and then I can be able to have both hands doing instrument handling. So where is the anesthesiologist then? Anesthesiologist in the front, so so anterior to the patient where the airway is. Ah, so you're tilting that you're like turning the bed ninety degrees. It's just interesting to hear the way people, different people, set this up because that's very different from the way our, we're, we're setting ours up. It sounds it's good, but it's just different. Yeah. What tell us, Brett? I know you're doing you're, you're doing cuffs beach chair now. Tell us why is the beach chair position better for the cuff? Well, I don't know that it's better for the cuff. I, I think that it's it, it works for me for the cuff. And um, uh, I guess an interesting question that I have for this group is that, so I mean, I, I take care of instability patients that have cuff tears, right? And so I just fix them, right? I mean, I fix their 
their their labor and whatever I have to do intraarticularly, then I fix the cuff, right? Um, I guess I always wonder what people do if they're changing positions and they run into something that they're maybe they didn't see on imaging. Um, well, I don't know. I, I think I think the beach chair position is great for cuffs, and um, certainly uh, I'm old enough to have done you know, open cuffs, and now fact, I still will do um, some subscaps open. So uh, it, it's just very easy, you know, to transition to do other things if you're doing a, a open tenodesis, et cetera, or whatever it is that you're that you're doing. It's all you know pretty natural. But I tend not to. You know, I have a lot of colleagues that will do all their instability and cuff for lateral decube, and I have no, no problem doing it. I think it's. Just, I, I think the only thing I would have a problem with is if you're not ready to handle what you encounter, and you you change your course based upon what your plan position is. Rachel, I always think that's the interesting case for the people who are beach chair. You know, people who position some cases beach chair, come some cases lateral is is this case, the combined cuff labor repair, you know, the instability patient that's usually the 45-year-old ski injury, at least in Salt Lake, that's what it is. How are you doing that case in Denver? You know, when that 45-year-old guy comes because he's jumped off a cornice and dislocated his shoulder and he's torn a supra or he's torn a subscap and there's a labral tear, what, do you, what are you doing with that case? Great question. Yeah, same in Colorado. This is that 40 to 50 year old uh, skier, snowboarder, sometimes even rock climber who has an acute traumatic injury. I think these are tough. I think um, you have to go with what you're most comfortable with in terms of managing the pathology. As both of our guests here have have said, you can accomplish either surgery, both instability and rotator cuff repair in either position. Certainly doable and the outcomes favor both of these positions. Um, again, you just have to be comfortable with what you're doing. In my personal practice, I try to go in the position that I think is the predominant pathology. So if this is a big cuff with a subscap, I'm going to go beach chair. I do feel comfortable doing the labrum in beach chair. I just don't like it. It makes me irritated in the OR and my residents and fellows will be the first to tell you I get a little cranky when I'm putting in those low anchors. And if they have a huge 270 degree labral tear with a small cuff based on the MRI, then I'll go in lateral so that I can attack in a more comfortable position for me, that labrum. And again, when I when I go up top and try to do the rotator cuff, I, I grumble a little bit and it's less comfortable because I don't do cuffs as frequently in lateral, but still can get it done. So that's how I approach it. I try to go with what I think is the more predominant pathology. When you're kind of 50-50, I think that that's a little bit more challenging. And I would tend to favor the lateral decubitus position in that case, because again, I'm so much more comfortable doing my bank arts and my posterior labrums in that position. What about you, Pete? I agree with you, Rach, that I think that one of the key follow-ups from both of our presenters is that it's really valuable to be comfortable doing both things in both positions for specific scenarios. So I think you heard Brett say earlier, he's tried both things in the lab. He's tried both things in his practice. He thinks both can work. I think you've heard Ivan say, I can do everything lateral. So I feel very comfortable there. And that if I encounter something unexpected, when certainly I had a case about a year ago where there was, I was doing a leg repair in a 19 year old gymnast where we incidentally found a full thickness supraspinatus tear that was not well appreciated in the MRI. Like, and I felt comfortable fixing that cuff lateral, but you have to feel comfortable with that case. So definitely, I think for the listener, you want to you want to feel comfortable with whatever pathology you might encounter, and you don't want to have that case that's gonna where you're either not going to be able to fix everything that's broken, or you're going to somehow have to reposition intraoperatively. 
So I think that can, I, I think the advice, exactly what you, you said is what I do, which is that I try and feel comfortable doing both things because you never know what you're going to encounter. And um, because often you can encounter combined pathologies. I wanted to ask you, Brett, you know, you've, it sounds like you're doing everything beach. Is there anything you're doing lateral? Are there tendon transfers, glenohumeral fusions, or are there any cases where you say, well, actually that case for me is a lateral case? Yeah, I, I guess in, you know, every, you know, once a week when I book a glenohumeral fusion, right? Um, uh, no, I, I mean, I don't, I don't do glenohumeral fusions. Who, who, who does those? And I'm not doing uh, tendon transfers. Um, uh, and I would say the only thing I probably do lateral decubit is that I'll do, I do do endoscopic snapping scapula, which um, uh, it, I think is much easier in the lateral decubit position. That would be about it. Nothing intraarticulated glenohumeral, uh, or uh, I know Ivan said he does it for beach for uh, uh, AC work, um, but um, I do all that in the beach position. I don't do arthroplasty, uh, which I know most people would do that in the beach position too. Peter, are you doing a lot of glenohumeral fusions? Would that to be one of your um, questions that you just asked? Well, I've only done two in five years. And I did one of them lateral, one of them beach, but I so I don't. I was just trying to come up with rare cases here. <laughs> Let me ask. So I, I think it's interesting that you're doing your scapothoracic resectomies uh, lateral. Ivan, how are you doing that case? Do you that case? I I do that case prone. Are you doing that case prone lateral? Well, I, I've never done that case. <clears throat> we had one come up. I'm not sure how to tackle it, but I know where to send them now. <laughs> You'll send them to Denver. Rachel's really good at that case. No, Pete, Pete <laughs> loves those cases in prone, as you heard. He loves them. One position we haven't talked about today. I, I've done one Maybe. prone, and I, I had a bilateral case, Pete, and I did it prone. And uh, he had extract, you know, one at a time, basically. They got actually IV access in the leg, and I was able to do it prone. And um, I don't know how I got talked into doing that and uh, by the patient, but he had a lot of extravasation around front and they had concerns about uh, uh, extubating them. Uh, so yeah, the prone, I, I moved to lateral D-cube and I found that it would be a little bit easier for me. Wow, talked into both sides at the same time. I think, you've, I think we're getting to the point where we've heard it all. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add? Anything else you wanted to say that didn't get mentioned? Ivan? No, I, I think I think you, you very clearly said at the end, summarized it well, is, it's really important to get good at whatever you're doing, right? So, and and there is a benefit to choosing one position so that you can tackle both instability or intraarticular work and subacromial work. So there's definitely advantages to each thing. It allows you to do those, you know, um, um, uh, non-standard cases, you know, 5% of your practice to be able to tackle those things you don't anticipate uh, to make them easier. What about you, Brett? Anything else you want to mention that didn't get mentioned? No, I I think I really enjoyed being part of this podcast. I, I think I, I think I would end with what I started with, with that. I, I think we can do a really good or a really bad uh, work in either position. And I, I guess I would I would hope that we can kind of end the debate and 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 maybe both agree to both sides agree to disagree and and, and maybe not. Uh, position shame each other 
saying that one's better than the other. I think the key is what works for you in your practice at your facility with the team that you have. All right, listeners, you heard it here. No more position shaming, and let's all just do good work in whatever position we scope our shoulders in. We want to thank both of our guests. That's really all the time we have for today's podcast. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you, Brett, for joining us. The discussion was outstanding. And for all of our shoulder and elbow listeners out there, please don't forget to subscribe. And for Pete Chalmers, I'm Rachel Frank, and we'll see you next time.